It is time to go deeper in God's Word. It's time to engage in truth. Here is Dr. Steve Ford and Pastor John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. I'm here in the studio with Dr. Steve Ford. Dr. Ford, we have been covering the top 10 biblical warnings you need to stop ignoring. So this has been a wonderful study over the last few weeks, a very convicting one. That's why I say they're wonderful, because if we're not being convicted by the Word of God, I think we're reading it wrong, uh, because all you need to do is open to any page, and you will find that there is conviction virtually everywhere. I mean, that's what it's designed to do, is to help us look into the mirror, confront the sin in our lives, understand the will of God, and to walk in accordance to it. We are called to righteous, holy living, after all, and... And when we hear the words of the Apostle Paul, when he says, who will save me from this body of death, we are quickly reminded of just how how far we fall short in this area, that it is a daily assignment to take up the cross and follow him. And so these warnings are ones that we often, we read, maybe ponder a bit. But maybe we need to come back to them here, and I think that's what we're trying to do, is to be reminded of the serious nature of these issues, that though we may have heard them a time or two, I don't know about you, Dr. Ford, but when I hear these things, sometimes we just get a, a little com- complacent in it. It just it, We hear it so often, we, we fail to understand the magnitude, the seriousness of what this really means and entails, and it's going to require a change in our walk, our living, our praying, and certainly in our praising, that we would reflect the glory of God as salt and light in this world every single day. So we have been covering a number of vital issues. Uh, In week one, we talked about never being lazy in every sphere of our lives that we represent Christ, that we speak like him, we work like him, because somebody is watching, someone is listening. It could be the little ears in our home. It could be a coworker. It could be somebody at church. Whatever the opportunity that somebody is going to observe the behaviors of another and their character will come through. Are they a person of integrity? All of these sort of things we covered to great detail. Then we talked about avoiding sexual temptation. That seems to be a given for the Christian life, but yet if we don't heed that warning, we will give the enemy an opportunity to exploit a chink in our armor every single day because we're not armoring up like we should. We haven't read Ephesians 6 and considered that we are in a spiritual battlefield every single day and need to begin the day in prayer. So we spent a great deal of time on that, and then we really started to look at the subject of repentance, and that really, I think, took us to a a level of hopefully a deeper understanding of the seriousness of turning away from sin, humbling ourselves in contrite spirit before the Lord, asking him to cleanse and restore, to which he loves to do that. He gives out more grace, as James often speaks of, that this is the desire of the Lord, that a, a repentant heart that truly is broken over the sin that they have allowed into their lives and And the things that have caused discord and division with them and God, the Lord loves to heal, to restore. And that's the way the book of James actually ends with Operation Rescue, if you will. And that's the love of our Lord. So there's such a joy in confessing our sin, being released of that to a God who is eager to forgive and to restore us anew. So, Dr. Ford, we kick off now in part four of this study of stopping this unkind speech. This really goes hand in glove with the untamable tongue. 
that we covered a few weeks back as well. So as you're listening to this, maybe I've already piqued your interest in a number of these topics already. You can go to calvaryfountain.com, and there you can listen to these broadcasts and more and share them with your friends and family alike. So Dr. Ford, without delay, let's get right into this as we learn a little bit more about stopping unkind speech. You often have, uh, I know that this is a a very serious subject for you because you model this. I know that you're very careful with what you say and very gentle in how you speak to others, including me. And I just wonder, I mean, from your heart, I know you you uh, you brought in a number of scriptures that are obviously very pressing upon your heart in this matter. I know one of them we talk about from Matthew chapter 12, another from James chapter 3, 9, really convicting scriptures. But as we kick off this subject of unkind speech, what's the Lord been pressing upon your heart? Because this seems to be an issue as James confronts it very directly to Christians how we have allowed a lot of this to ensue within our own families, within our church, and certainly within our spheres of influence. Yeah, we've spoken uh, to some extent about how words and their effects can affect multiple generations and how it can be passed on from parents to children to children and just the maladaptive behaviors that we have and and are manifested in our speech and and really becomes a matter of self-control. But I think also, as we we talked uh, a little bit before the show, that these the people that we're talking to bear the imago day they're created in the image of god these are human beings these are people that jesus christ loved so much he died on the cross for mm. and so just for us to be able to just to to take a second and to pray for the lord and to consider uh, you know what we're going to say i do like you know james advice of to be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to anger Mm-hmm. And to try to embrace those things. And, you know, some have even said that's why we have two ears and one mouth. Because we're <laughs> supposed to be listening, you know, twice as often as, as we speak. But so many times, instead of listening, uh, what we're doing is we're just thinking about what we're going to say next. And that's why I think some of this comes down to respect and communication. And that's why I like Tim Keller's approach when you're discussing something with somebody, even if you're sharing your faith. His feeling is he doesn't really have the right to espouse his opinion until he can articulate your opinion back to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. And and we know that unkind words really uh, it, they're really rooted, I believe, within gossip, uh, and not just how we address one another. We certainly can see the impact of tone. Uh, the yeah, the arrogance so. that comes through pride, we can sound like we're scolding people, come across as very judgmental in that, as though we've got it figured out and they don't, and belittle people, talk down to people. All of these things are, are very alarming in how, even if we're giving a message of truth, and we see that covered also as Paul was talking to Timothy and addressing this very issue, that we can appear as though we are uh, haughty and pride-filled and scolding or condone, uh, condemning somebody else, and, and therefore they're not receiving it, where well, we have to talk to them with gentleness and respect and with the intent that they would hear the truth, that they could be saved from the, the snare of the evil one, right? Yeah. So that there, there's the intent is not just to win an argument, right? That's, that's the wrong motive here, but rather that they hear the truth and in hearing the truth, they're set free. Yeah, how many people have been verbally, verbally bludgeoned into the kingdom of God? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it's, it's not a great evangelism campaign. And I think, once again, as with everything, we need to look back to the, the life of Jesus. That's right. What was his approach? And especially, you know, how did he speak to sinners? 
we we only see him really getting upset with those who were being hypocritical and were preventing people from from entering the kingdom of God. That's right. But from just typical you know fallen sinners like the rest of us, he was so patient, so slow to anger, and so compassionate. Yeah, he modeled it. Obviously, we'd expect in his perfect nature he would do right. that. But it is interesting that James talks to Christians. Yeah. And here, the very things we'd expect out of an unbeliever, here the believers were acting unbecoming of believers. And and he begins and ends it with prayer. He begins and ends it with understanding that there was adversity and tribulation and and various difficulties that these people were going through. And he wants them to see and expose it for what it is. They were were doing things that they should not have been doing and and possibly even giving into various evil behaviors. Uh, slander and judgmental behaviors and so forth, and even favoritism of one group over another and all sorts of things that we read through that, but we failed to realize that he was talking to believers who were acting like the world, and it was time for that to stop. And we understand then the other side of this, that when we give in to behaviors such as speaking ill of people, even to their face, what happens is when they're not in the room, we are also prone to that. That's where the gossip comes in. So now we've Double, we've compounded the problem here with slander and gossip and unkind speech. All of these things we see in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 and 19, that we're reminded that gossip and lying are included in the list of things that God hates. They're an abomination to him. And we're warned in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, that unkind speech, that speech that's destructive, it doesn't lead toward anything of redemption or salvation in someone, all of that must cease amongst believers. And the book of James offers further details about the need for believers to both honor God and those who are created in his image. And we see that in James 3, 1 to 2. I I mean, the power that is given in James chapter 3 when addressing the tongue, he even likens it to this untamable beast or this fire that's consuming, likened unto hellfire itself, that when words come out of it that could destroy a person, I mean, wounds that may never heal, or so it seems, we know those wounds can heal in Jesus Christ. So if you, as you're listening to this and you've been deeply wounded by someone else, all of us probably have, I know I certainly have, wounds that still haven't fully healed, and yet I give those things to the Lord every day, and I know that He heals, He restores, He it is the salve on these wounds that is a supernatural work that only he can do, but we know the power of words, and we certainly know the healer who restores. And I want you to be encouraged in that, that God is a healer, and he loves to restore those who have been broken, especially by the careless words of others, and we need not contribute to that as believers. Yeah, I think it's so important to remember, and you've done a great job at pointing out the implications of our words in a destructive fashion. And let, but let's think about the flip side of that, the constructive aspect of our right. words and our speech. You know, just you know, think about when somebody says uh, something, it's, it's true, but it's a compliment. Or they say something nice to you, how that lifts up your spirit, how that makes you feel. So many times people will feel like they have been labeled throughout their life. You're this or you're not that. Uh, in a destructive sort of fashion. But once again, we can take the same principle, flip it around, say things, not uh, flattery, but compliments that are true based in truth and actuality and build people up and affirm them in a direction that leads them to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. 
That's right. I think when we were talking about the untamable tongue, we actually pictured we almost need to have a filter over our mouth that had the WWJD. Right. <laughs> almost like, what would Jesus say? But I'll be the first rather, in line for one of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So not only what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus say? And that, of course, is what he would do. I think we need that filter over our mouth and yeah. certainly over our tongue, this instrument that can be used for great blessing or great destruction. And it creates division within churches, within homes. But it can be an instrument that brings such blessing and encouragement and leads to salvation. It really is an instrument that should be used to bring people to Christ. Right. And we've got to be very, very, very mindful of it. We do know that on the flip side, Dr. Ford, that it is, according to Romans chapter 1, verses 28 to 32, that gossip is equated within the same subject matter as the sexually immoral. Exactly right. right. Both are a perversion. And so we can do better in the church. So often we use the excuse and justify that, well, we're just trying to pass along information that helps people how to, to know how to pray right. in that situation. Th- these are the types of excuses we have got to stop. We are representatives of Christ at all times. We have to walk accordance to that plumb line. I believe that's an Amos, and he sets that plumb line very c- clearly for us. We're to walk accordance in accordance to that. I remember uh, my children uh, as I was trying to help them understand the principles of the power of our speech, that they were in a culture where they were going to hear all sorts of foul language, whether it be on television and movies or certainly at school. It's a great uh, a grief to my heart when I go and visit schools today and the kind of language you hear coming out of these small people. It's like that is – I cannot believe that that you hear that on a daily basis uh, and and it's like you have got to armor up. You've got to put on the hel- helmet of salvation. Uh, you think about the jawbone piece of a helmet to guard everything coming out of the mouth, not only to protect it, but to protect it even from itself, that we have got to be that salt and light. And Ephesians 4.29 is one of the scriptures I had my children memorize at a young age, that not to let unwholesome talk come out of their mouths, but only words that are helpful and build others up according to their needs. That's how I had them memorize that text. And we can even add Proverbs 4.24 to that list, or even Proverbs 8.13, or even 10.19, All of these should be memorized at a young age to be reminded that by the power of our words, we can be set apart. Even uh, when I was young, trying to put myself through seminary, and I started off in construction, and sometimes in construction workplaces, you can hear a lot of language that is not not very (laughs) becoming of an individual. And I remember that I, because my mother had me memorize scripture at a young age, I wasn't prone to respond in that way, no matter the environment I was around. It was a discipline. I'm not patting myself on the back to say I was just restricting the flesh at all times. No, I I grew up in the right environment of an infrastructure, if you will, an incubator of truth. So I wouldn't even think like that despite what I was hearing. And they noticed it was a powerful testimony because I didn't speak like that. I didn't yeah. give in to the crude humor and all sorts of things. And that's very easy to do when you don't want to stand out. If you just want to blend in and give in to unbecoming humor and language and that sort of thing, if you truly want to be set apart for Jesus Christ, don't be a party to that and watch how people will respond. You're going to change the environment already around you. Yeah, it's like you've told us before. We're here to be ambassadors. We are here to stand out and be different and reflect the light of Jesus Christ into the lives of those around us. So inherently the things that we should, they should be countercultural. 
That's right. And, and that that's what we'd expect of ambassadors for Christ. Right. right? We represent a better kingdom, a, a better king. Amen. And he is coming Amen. soon. And Amen. so we dare not be Maranatha, ashamed. Maranatha. That's right. Amen. <laughs> Don't be ashamed to represent him well before men, and he will represent you well before the Father. And that's what our Paracletos does. Now, again, a, a couple weeks ago, we talked about avoiding sexual temptation. I think the next one on our list, number five, uh, really jumps out here to me. Run from youthful lusts. So this one really goes hand in glove with that subject matter. But in this, it's the other one, uh, the avoiding sexual temptation could often be uh, even just the temptation of an inappropriate magazine or anything that's around us at a checkout line on television, whatever it was, we needed to guard our or the filter of our eyes, our ears, everything coming into the, the recesses of our mind, into our heart and soul. And, and we need to be very mindful of that at all times. In this area, what we find is that we were talking before the program, Dr. Ford, about 1 Corinthians 15.33, the bad company corrupts ultimately good character. So we know that we are going to produce what environment we're in if we are not safeguarded with wholly devoted to the cause of Christ, putting on the armor of God. Because otherwise, you're a good apple being thrown into a batch of a bunch of bad apples. Right. And it's you just don't see it where the good apple certainly starts changing all those bad apples into good apples. It's usually the reverse. So we've got to be mindful of that, especially with our young people today. Yeah, it's like an eternal truth. It was true 2,000 years ago when Paul said <laughs> and it's true today. And and as we were saying, you know, I like, I like the modern version of show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so important. I think it is so challenging for kids today. I can't even imagine the things that they are bombarded with. So if you want to have something to uh, have something in common with your friends, play the same video games, watch the same shows, that means you're going to be inundated with filth in mm-hmm. order to be able to just to have those associations, have those commonalities, have those conversations, then, you know, you are being sort of inflicted. Uh, with the the content and the filth that our culture is putting out there. All right. And and it's true that if we only eat junk food all the time, we're not going to be in very good, healthy condition. And right. the same is true as a believer of whatever we're hearing and indulging in in the culture, we're going to most likely produce that. Yeah. We got to think of ourselves more like a sponge uh, rather than a squeegee. Right. <laughs> right? We're not going to just move the culture out of the way at all times. There's going to be times where we're going to absorb the culture. We've got to be mindful then of the environment we're around. So this running from youthful lusts, it can often be attributed to the idea of just simple, simply sexual temptation. That's not so simple after all, but it's more than that. It's fleeing from immaturity. That as believers, we're supposed to grow up in the knowledge and understanding of the Lord. Even the Apostle Paul spoke of that, and and I do believe the Apostle Paul was also the author of Hebrews, maybe not the pen of Hebrews. So then we could see that at least twice he's addressing this issue, that we're still on milk, and it's time that we grow up and actually consume of the meat It's time to go deeper in God's Word. And you think of the things he speaks of in Hebrews, that these were the basics. It was time to grow up, and those basics that he cites were actually some of the things that many believers never even graduate from. They're content in the kindergarten of their faith. It's time to grow up. So we've got to get out of the recklessness <laughs> If I can add that, I'm just going to keep adding some nisses to that one. Uh, the partying, the undisciplined nature of our behaviors, our crude humor, sexual thoughts, ungodly entertainment. The list goes on and on. And we don't feel any shame about that. There's a concern, right? I mean, we should be bothered 
when we are indulging in the very things we would not invite Jesus into. Right. And he's with us. He says that I, I dwell in you, even the, the Holy Spirit who's made our, our, our vessel a sanctuary. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit. So imagine carrying the tabernacle or the temple of Solomon into these situations and why is it that we feel no shame when we do that, when yeah. we have this gross immoral living, and that's what James was calling them out for? Go back and read the entire epistle of James, by the way. If you want a good conviction study, there it is. Those five chapters are going to transform your world, because here he even called out believers for acting like adulterers and adulteresses. They're supposed to be the bride of Christ, and they were acting like the world. It's like, come out of them. That's not you anymore. Stop thinking like that, acting like that, indulging like that. You're coming into the wedding feast in the wrong wardrobe. You've got to act like Christ. So such desires do not foster Christian maturity or reflect God's will to others. So when we entice these things, when we indulge these things, we are breaking the heart of God. And he has a perfect plan for us. And here's the flip side of that. As the refiner, he is going to put us through the refiner's fire because he loves us, and he has a better plan for us. So for if we think for a moment that we can call ourselves Christian, act like a Christian on Sunday, and then go act like the world the rest of the week and think there will be no ramifications for that, we are deeply <laughs> mistaken because he loves you too much to allow you to go back to the ways of the world. He has a better plan for you, and you have to trust him in that. I love that saying that says that God loves you just the way you are, but loves you too much to leave you there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he Amen. does continue to refine us. And earlier in the show, as you were speaking, it made me think of the parable of the prodigal son and, and God's attitude towards us of being like the father, girding up his loins and running towards his son. But that's mm. the way our Heavenly Father feels about us. That's his love for us when we're setting aside these things that have no value and choosing him instead. That's the father that's running to us. And that's the father that we need to make sure that we're running to. Amen. Amen. And I, I just, I think of when Paul was warning Timothy because he understood that young Timothy needed to set the standard there's often, at least I've spoken of it a number of times, that if we give even an inch, our children will take a mile. Right. So if we say, you know what, I'm just going to watch the R-rated movie with them one time, they're going to watch a hundred R-rated <laughs> movies, right? You've yep. now set the bar and you've skewed the line. You've made a gray area. And and if you try to go back on that, it's hypocrisy. Yep. And the children were going to see out of us Christ living in us, how we speak to our spouse. I mean, again, are we quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger? Uh, All these things have to be modeled in the living room. If we truly want revival, it starts in the living room. So often we slap a label of revival on things, and certainly music and uh, the emotion of things are very important. But truly, if we want revival, it's going to happen through repentance. When we confess our sin, we repent of those things. And it's not just kind of feeling bad that we got caught It's the knowing we've broken the heart of God. We are turning away from that. Now there's good soil that is that is ripe for deep roots that produces the fruit of the harvest that God seeks. And so if we're truly connected, that he being the vine and we the branches, we are going to produce fruit. But so often we're like, well, I just want enough to get into heaven. I don't want that holy living. That's hard. 
But that's not what the Lord allows us to to dwell in. Being in the neutral zone is not where he's going to allow us to be. It is grab the plowshare, move forward in confidence in Jesus Christ, our Lord, to him be the glory forevermore. Yeah, what's great is God calls us into this relationship and then says, you really can't do it without me, so I'm going to go ahead and empower you. Like you were saying with the vine, he's the vine, we're the branch, we can do nothing on our own. So even what he calls us to in order to bless us, he also gives us the power to accomplish through his Holy Spirit. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Absolutely. Amen. Including our prayers. Yeah. Because we know not how to pray. Right. Uh, Romans 8 reminds us of that. I. I know that I struggle in that area a time or two yeah, as well. Me too. When you just are burdened in your heart, you don't even know what <laughs> say to say. Jesus. <laughs> so praise yeah. be to God, we've got this engine. Mm-hmm. We're, we're like, a, maybe we look like a shiny car, but if we have no engine underneath <laughs> the hood, we're not going anywhere. That's right. And that's what we look like if we don't have the Holy Spirit in us. But if we have the Holy Spirit, we've got the best engine available that's going to give us the energy not only to do the glorious works of the Lord, but also to have direct access to Him Amen. at all times. It is faster than the speed of light. Yep that he is with us at all times because of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. So, Dr. Ford, we got through a couple. Yeah, now, I think next bad. week we're going to have to hit the big one now on renouncing ungodliness. Yeah, it's going to be good. We're going to hit that topic as well, which also will take us back to James. Yep. Uh, coincidentally, I think not. <laughs> uh, but we want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth today. Thank you for always being a faithful supporter of this ministry. You can learn more about Engage in Truth and the ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church at calvaryfountain.org. And we are a South Plant, a Calvary Chapel on South End of Colorado Springs. We'd love to worship with you. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays, and we hope to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.